ding-dongs and do spooky ding-dongs. I told her I was going to give her the spooky ding-dong later. <laughs> I like the scary cakes. Those one. <laughs> I'm talking about like those little things, those little cookies or cake things. Yeah. What What were they that you were talking about? The Frankenberry, what is it? The uh, the little sugar cookies that have the ghosties and the pumpkins. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they want to like come in like the prepackaged. Yeah, and you just like pull them off and then you put them in on the pan and you bake them. Oh, you actually have to bake these. Not, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Done. Like you know, like the little Pillsbury ones. Yeah. Where it's got the little ghosty. Okay. And you I'm pull them you. Off. No. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You like, used to have to slice them. Remember? Yeah. But you don't slice them anymore. Fucking bullshit. Slice them. I throw that whole fucking roll on the damn pan. Slice it after the fact. (laughs) But the fucking degenerate. But instead of the little ghosties, you get the Count Chocula outline. I don't. I don't fucking know. Or the Frankenberry ones. Yeah. And the Frankenberries are really fucking gross. I could see that. But the Count Chocula. Frankenberry was always like, eh. Ag likes the Fra- the Frankenberry cereals, so she was like, yeah. "It's Frankenberry!" Oh my I don't god! Know. I'm a huge Frankenstein fan, but even I'm not a fan of Frankenberry. Mm. I like Count Chocula. Count Chocula is good. I'll even eat Booberry. Oh, Booberry. I like Booberry. Booberry's Booberry's my dude. Yeah. As I'm far as Count like Ch- spooky stra- breakfast choices go, is the strawberry the Frankenberry? No, the strawberry is the werewolf. Whatever that is. Yeah, what huh? the fuck? Yeah, there's some new one that's like a werewolf, but it's like this weird, like, cookie crisp meets Halloween monster looking thing. It, I don't know. Fucking I know. think I saw those at Target yesterday. Yeah, I'm not interested. They in added any of him that. in there. He's not part of the original. Yeah. I remember walking by and I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, because there was Ch- Count Chocula, Booberry, and then Frankenberry. There was only three, right? To my knowledge. If anybody out there knows if uh, the werewolf s- breakfast spooky cereal was uh, a thing, let us know. I'm thinking no. I don't think it was. Yeah, I think that was a just added. What I'm pissed off the most about, though, is these adult Happy Meals. <laughs> you know Those toys mean? freak me out. Why do they have four eyes? And why does one look a fucking voodoo doll? <laughs> they, they look demonic. Yeah. All I wanted. One literally looks like a voodoo doll with a baseball cap on. All I wanted was my Halloween McNuggets. I had every single one and I loved them. It's not fair that they had, what are they called now? The cactus meal or whatever. Is it because we're prickly and bitter now? Uh, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, that could be. I just want the cute little pail. They That's might as well. Yeah, they're not even doing it in that. If they had <gasps> done it in that, I would have been like, okay, at least that you know that's fair. They're not doing it in the spooky pail. No, they have some like no. It's like a giant happy box. Meal box. No, yeah, uh-uh. and it needs to be in the get... plastic. I need the spooky pails because I had one as a kid. Um, I had all the McNuggets and two of the spooky pails. I freaking loved. I, I, I didn't have the witch. Nuggies. I had the ghost and the. I had the ghost. I had the ghost. And the pumpkin. Yeah, I had the pumpkin. I'm pretty sure I had those also. I did not have the witch. I, I didn't. Think. Or yeah, I had the witch and the pumpkin. Or the witch and the ghost. I had. I definitely had the ghost. What other one I had is, in, is the one in question. I don't know. 
I don't mean, I'm, I remember getting the Happy... I actually remember getting those Happy Meals, and I feel like that they filled that bucket a lot better than they probably would do now. Well, the Happy Meals are, like, this big now. They're, like, some sad excuse. Yeah, it's like, you don't get fries, you get apple slices. And I'm you just, no, no, they still give you, you fries. But it's this little teeny tiny little cardboard box Have you box seen now. the fries that come in a Happy Meal now? You get, like, four fries. It's just enough to piss you off. You can, like, Dude. it's like a shot of fries. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Let me chase my my Diet Coke with my shot of fries. <sighs> Done. It's literally like a little shot of fries. And their fries. apple slices can get fucked because they're terrible. AG they're loves she will fuck less. They're literally like the a science slices. experiment. She will fuck up those apple slices. <laughs> they are a science experiment. They're soft and hard at the same time. Like, in just a much weird... Like don't me. even go there. Much like me after <laughs> several glasses of bourbon. You think you're hard until she's like, oh, really? No, no it's bendy. This yeah, is, these are bendy it, it's apples. It's there. It's just for show, though. <laughs> They're bendy. <laughs> she will fuck up those apple slices, though. I don't... Uh, welcome to Creeps in the Crypt, everyone. Uh, as always, I'm Eric. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Christian and Sam. So we don't have any reviews this week. So get on that, guys. At least none of that have been posted. Yeah, it has. If there has been a review, it hasn't been updated at the time of this recording. But we have some awesome news. Uh, if you click on the link on our profiles, you can get. Creeps in the Crypt t-shirts. We have merch! We have merch now. It's official. We're kicking off the height of spooky season with merch. So you can get all three variants of our logo uh, on our T-Republic link that is at the top of our beacon, which is linked in our Instagrams, my social media. I believe it's on both of your social medias, uh, our Twitter Basically anywhere you can find us. You can walk around with our faces. Yeah, you can walk around with like ghoulish versions of our faces. faces. It's great. It's fucking phenomenal. And I believe uh, the sale is over on them. So they're not 30% off anymore. Whatever. They're not that expensive. They're not. I think they come out to like $24 a shirt. Yeah, right. Which is great. And they're good quality t-shirts. So... Are they all cotton? I believe they are. <gasps> soft ones. Yes. I believe they are from T Public. I'm a sucker for a soft T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't uh, get into that. It, I just found a site that would upload our shit. So you didn't even that. look at the quality of the shirt. Uh, it says high quality T-shirts. Oh, that's all high you read. Quality H2O. High quality T-shirts. So that's I believe good. they are 100% cotton now. I'll have to buy one to check it out. I was planning on it, of buying one of our shirts. I just want them to be soft. I don't really care what they're made out of. We'll have to get one for each of us. Yes. One of all three variants. I want the green. Okay. I want the bloody one. All right, perfect, because I want the orange one. Uh, this is why we work out so well. Yeah, I wanted the orange one all along. <laughs> so, hell yeah. Sam wanted one to match her, you know, aesthetic. Red on red. <laughs> yeah, Sam. <laughs> so uh, we're we're kicking off spooky season the right way. 
uh, well, the height of spooky season, I should say. So the first half of our spooky season, we covered the paranormal. We covered urban legends. We covered cryptids. Now we're getting to the theme portion, and we're covering vampires for the entire month of October. And I believe we also might have a Halloween special. But that won't be vampire-related. Um, but, Sam, without further ado, let's get into uh, tonight's topic. So, we are diving into the Great New England Vampire Panic. So, you probably associate vampire hysteria with 15th and 16th century Europe, but the U.S. had its own share of vampire scares. 200 years after the Salem Witch Trials, farmers became convinced that their relatives were returning from the grave to feed on the living. The New England Vampire Panic was the reaction to an outbreak of tuberculosis in the 19th century throughout Rhode Island, Eastern Connecticut, Southern Massachusetts, Vermont, and other areas of the New England states. As we covered in our episode on Waverly Hills, tuberculosis was known as consumption at the time, as it appeared to consume an infected person's body. It's now known to be a bacterial disease, but the cause was unknown until the late 19th century. The infection spreads easily among a family. Thus, when one family member died of consumption, other members were often infected and gradually lost their health. Then death would claim them. It's really easy to get tuberculosis, believe it or not. I believe it. Because um, all, it ha- all it matters is like if a person coughs and some of the... like. Their saliva is in the air, and you breathe it in. It's super easy to contract. It's like a fucking common cold, like that kind of. Basically, contagious. it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's that level of contagious. What? Like I, I'd mentioned it in um, our Waverly Hills episode. My dad contracted it because he was a mortician and got it from a corpse, because it stays living for days. What? Gross. Yeah. So like they picked up a body. Yeah. Uh, put the body on the gurney. And the body, like, it, air got out of the lungs, and it put it into the air. And, uh... I was about to say, if the fucking corpse coughed, that would be so fucking... I would shit my pants. <laughs> but, well, I mean, that happens all the time. They cough? Yeah, like, um... There's a vampire case in Serbia where they put a fucking stake through the thing, and it exhaled. What? Yeah, because there was air... Trapped in the lungs. Sam says no. Oh. (laughs) So so severe was the epidemic that it claimed around 2% of New England's population from 1786 to 1800 and eventually killed 25% of the East Coast's citizens. Consumption was thought to be caused by the deceased consuming the life of their surviving relatives. The belief that consumption was spread in this way was widely held in New England and in Europe. In an attempt to protect the survivors and ward off the effects of consumption, bodies of those who had died of the disease were exhumed and examined. The corpse was deemed to be feeding on the living if it was determined to be 
unusually fresh, especially if the heart or other organs contain blood. Like it, like normal blood, liquid. Yeah, if blood. the blood hadn't like all Coag- coagulated and even hell, even if it did have coagulated, like decaying blood in it, which happens if you don't like uh, aspirate the body. I feel like that nothing about that would be fun. Let's go dig up Mima and see if she's yeah. Complex. See if she's like cursing us from the grave. What happened though is a lot of these people would see their deceased loved ones like come to them in visions of, during the night, telling them join them and shit, and or they'd be sitting on their chest. Kind of like a boo hag. If you kind of, we, we kind of had an overarching theme for a lot of this, um, spooky season. Things that want to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be like vampirism involving Waverly or the boo hag being a vampiric, almost urban legend to the beast of Bray or, uh, Bladenboro. So you almost we, said beast of burden. Beast of Bray Road is what I was going to say. <laughs> we did that last year. Yes, we did. After the culprit was identified, there were a number of proposed ways to stop the attacks. The most benign of these was simply to turn the body over in its grave. In other cases, families would burn the fresh organs and rebury the body. What's interesting about them like turning the body over is because... This this wasn't like a vampire in the normal sense where they'd rise the whole body would rise out. It was just like a spirit would would come out of the ground at night and terrorize the, the living members of the family. So they thought by turning it over that it would just go deeper into the ground instead of come up. I mean makes sense. It just confuse it and piss off the spirit and then they'd just go back to the Why not? The casket. I mean, don't they, isn't there an entire song about face down, ass up? There is. I don't think that's There's about few, vampiric actually. corpses. <laughs> face down, ass up. I believe up. that's this is about. how we like to suck. No, I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> my God. I'm, I, 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 I'm speechless. Oh, that was hilarious. Well, <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't throw something in there. That might be a t-shirt idea. <laughs> You're going to have a face-down vampire. Yep. Oh, my God. This ass in the air. Yeah, just twerking. Yeah. Affected family members would also inhale smoke from the burned organs or consume the ashes in a further attempt to cure the consumption. No. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea for somebody with tuberculosis to be inhaling, like, corpse smoke. Like, what do you do? You just sprinkle a little... You sprinkle the ashes of Uncle Bobby on your ice cream? Like, what the fuck are you doing? They're, like, literally putting their face next to the fire like it's a fucking campfire. And they're like, "Mm, I love the smell of burning corpses in the morning. Like, it's, that's fucked, dude. Well, it says consume the ashes. Well, that's that's one way to do it, is consume the ashes, but a lot of people would just inhale them. Um, whether it be on, like, a blacksmith's uh, furnace or whatever. 
Like a blacksmith's forge. This is suspicious. I don't like any of this. It is unlikely that the deceased would have been known as vampires by their affected families because the word was not in common use in the community at that time. However, the term was used by newspapers and outsiders at the time due to the similarity with contemporary vampire beliefs in Eastern Europe. Desperate grave digging scenes played out at least 80 times throughout the vampire panic in New England. But we'll be focusing on two stories. So both of these stories are going to take place in Exeter, Rhode Island. And what's really fucking interesting about this is Rhode Island's kind of like the I'm just going to quote Cotton Mather who was involved in the Salem witch trials on his thoughts of Rhode Island at this time. Uh, they were the sewer of new England. Tell me how you really feel. So basically most of new England was steadfast in their Puritan beliefs. And Rhode Island was a lot more liberal with their belief system. And it was to a point to where like the rest of like, New like the Puritan parts of New England would send missionaries there to try to convert people to Puritanism. So you had these people that would like believed more in the the mystic shit and the esoteric. Sounds like fun. Sounds like a fun place to live. They were more open minded, basically. They were more like liberal in their beliefs of the norm. Um, so that's why like a lot of people looked at Rhode Island as like just basically a cesspool which it's not it's small rural communities with their own belief systems that aren't like you know blindly following a church that executed 24 people yeah you're selling this to me I'm there for it (laughs) I mean I wouldn't want to live there but I hate the snow that's why oh I like looking at it, not as much being out in it. It's pretty for like three days. And then after that, it, you know, it's hideous when it's stained black on the side of the road and melting and slush. Yeah, I don't really like the forbidden slushies, but. Is that a yellow spot? Those two. I don't like those. But I like looking at it and watching it fall. I like the silence that comes with. A good, a good snowfall. Like the crunchiness that yeah. it does. You step on it. Mm-hmm. That's fun. But that's it. I just, that's, yeah. I don't like, I don't like being out in it that much. Yeah, I'm good. I'll look at it from As somebody who likes the cold, house. I can't believe that you don't like snow. I would like it to be 72 degrees outside year round. That would be perfect for me. 65. Uh, that's also acceptable. Anything between the 60 and 70 range. October in Myrtle Beach is about as as cold as I, I enjoy it. Last year, October was hot. Yeah. I was still wearing, like, sundresses. Granted, they were black. I'm still going to find spooky ways to dress oh, in you spooky gotta, season. You gotta represent. I also wore all black on my 30th birthday. There you so. go. So the first story is about Stuckley Tillinghast. Tillinghast. 
Sure. He was known to be a jovial, good-natured man. He managed to provide decently for his family by selling his apples across Rhode Island and southern Massachusetts. Honor, his wife, kept busy in a well-ordered household, watching over the couple's many children. All of their children worked daily in the orchards. As time went by on the farm, older children grew and got married and new babies were born into the family. Stuckley and Honor at the time had 12 children. No. Immediate no. Three so is enough. this story, the reason I, I like really picked this one is this one is kind of the start of the New England vampire panic. And the second story is going to be the end of the New England vampire panic, both taking place in Exeter, Rhode Island, which I find interesting. I, I like that. So their youngest was born in 1790. In the autumn of 1799, as the harvest season began, Stuckley started to have harrowing nightmares. They were so vivid that he would awake in a panic and could not return to sleep until Honor would calm him down. He told his wife of what he saw. So in his dream, he was working among the orchard when he heard his daughter Sarah call out to him. As he turned around to look for her, a dark, cold wind picked up, blowing the leaves around him until he was nearly blinded. When the wind died down, he looked for Sarah, but she was nowhere to be found. He turned back to the trees and saw that the leaves had turned brown and the fruit was rotting while still on the branches. The smell of death and decay was so vivid that he was nearly ill. Exactly half of the orchard had died. The dream persisted night after night, every time the same. Disturbed by this dark omen, Stuckley confided in the local pastor, who tried to reassure Stuckley that his dreams were just anxiety over the upcoming harvest. He was barely comforted by the pastor's assurance, but despite his fears, the harvest season was without incident. As the season passed, the dream receded to the back of Stuckley's mind. Which, whenever I dream, like, I have all five of my senses. And it's hard for me to sometimes, like, at that time, realize that I'm dreaming. Because I can, like, I can touch things. Vivid dreams. I wake up, I had, like, a, a span of, like, two weeks where I had those dreams every single night. It wasn't the same, but if... It oddly, like, followed the same storyline, like, episodes in well, a show. A lot of people look at these types of dreams as prophetic, which is kind of where Stuckley Tillinghouse, uh, Tillinghouse is uh, at with this. He's looking at this almost, like, in a prophetic light. Yeah. It was... He doesn't know what it means, but he saw... This man literally watched half of his orchard turn black and die. Mm-hmm. In, in in a reoccurring nightmare. I had a dream. My ex left his wife for me. That that was mine. And I really hope that's not going to come true. For the record. Anyway. So Sarah, Sarah Tillinghouse had just turned 19. Quiet and reserved. She kept to herself. When she wasn't working in the field or during doing housework. 
She preferred to read her mother's books or keep busy with stitch work. After the 1799 harvest season, Sarah began to stay in her room for long periods of time, coming down only for meals with the family. It was soon apparent that Sarah was gravely ill and it was and that she was not long for the world. She was soon diagnosed with consumption and within a few weeks Sarah Chillinghouse was dead. By spring, a few weeks after her passing, her brother James, aged nine, the youngest of the boys, complained of a pain in his chest. When asked where it hurt, he pointed toward his heart and said, Here, where Sarah touched me. Soon after, James was dead. Andres, 14, was the next to grow ill. Then soon after, Ruth, who was 16, both girls had told of Sarah visiting them at night, standing by their beds, telling the girls she was cold and needed them to be warm. It wasn't long before both teenagers were gone. The Tillinghouse family was com- at a complete loss as to how to handle their situation, <clears throat> assuming their family was cursed with an evil spirit. Stuckley again went to the pastor seeking advice. The reverend tried in vain to convince Stuckley that this was not an evil curse and that everything would pass in God's time. Hannah, who was 26 and the oldest of the Tillinghouse children, lived a few miles away in West Greenwich with her husband. As the ailments of her family worsened, she began to spend more time at her childhood home, despite the warning of her mother. It wasn't long before Hannah herself began began seeing Sarah, that was a tongue twister, lingering over her as she tried to sleep. Soon after these visions, Hannah fell ill and quickly she too was gone. Next, Honor began seeing her daughter Sarah. Mama, it's so lonely, so cold. Won't you come with me? The visage? 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 Visage. Of Sarah told her. Around the same time, the eldest son, Ezra, 17, fell ill as he too began seeing visions of Sarah. Stuckley Tillinghouse decided that he had to act. He had enough. One of his farmhands, Jeremiah Dandridge, told him of a story from a nearby town in which the dead were thought to come out of the grave to torment a family. Jeremiah also told Stuckley of the suspected means to dispose of the spirit. Stuckley was reluctantly convinced this was the curse affecting his own family. One morning, almost immediately, Stuckley, Jeremiah, and another farmhand, Caleb, went to the Tillinghouse family burial plot and began disinterring the bodies of the children, from the last buried to the first. One by one, they began digging up the graves and opening the coffins. The bodies, some in the ground for months, were in the state of decay. By late afternoon, they finally came to the grave of the first children to fall ill, Sarah. Opening, upon opening the coffin, Stuckley Tillinghast held back tears as he looked upon the body of his daughter. Though she'd been buried for now almost six months, Sarah lay there as if resting. Her color was flushed and her glassy eyes were open in a dead stare, looking up into nothing. Stuckley then proceeded to vanquish the vampire, according to the instructions Jeremiah told him. 
With tears flowing, Stuckley Tillinghouse drove his knife into the body of his daughter in order to remove Sarah's heart. After removing it from the corpse, Stuckley then poured oil onto the heart, lit a tinder, and burned Sarah's heart to ash. After that day, no one in the family saw visions of Sarah again. Ezra Tillinghouse, his illness, though, was too far advanced at the time of exhuming of the bodies, and he soon succumbed to consumption. Looking back, Stuckley was reminded of the dream he had in the beginning of the 1799 harvest. Of his then 12 children, six lay dead, exactly half of his orchard. Honor Tillinghouse made a complete recovery of her illness and would, in fact, go on to bear two more children in the following years. Well, that's because you got to replace those workers. No. You stop it. Oh, I mean, this is a farming community, folks. And child labor is free. Farmhands, you got to pay. That's true. Kids, you just got to feed. So that's the first story that we're going to get in, that we got into. What do you guys think of the Tillinghouse story? I think, I mean, I, I don't know how true it is. It's over a hundred, over a hundred years old, way over a hundred. Yeah, so I kind of feel like that there wasn't like, because it was seventeen ninety. So I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I'm not saying it's not true. What What gets me about this one is that this is the one where they're seeing like images of sarah and dreams of sarah coming to them oh yeah like i fully believe that the our loved ones who've passed on can come visit us in our dreams i fully believe that it's happened to me it's happened to my best friend dustin like i believe that that's a thing could we die like mm, maybe I think they all got tuberculosis and died. I mean, that's that's what happened. Right. But the vision I, before is kind of creepy. Yeah, what I what I find interesting is like Stuckley Tillinghouse's vision um, of seeing half of his his orchard die, which you know is is entail his half of his children. I, I just feel like that that's very interesting. It makes for a great fucking story, though. Yeah, I... Uh, Realistically, I would say um, probably not half the kids died, probably like four, and they play it up a little bit, but who knows? I, yeah, I wouldn't... I would take that story with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because my nanny had, whenever she was dying, she would see have dreams of her brother who was a prisoner of war in the Korean War? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the right war. I can't remember. But she would have dreams of him. In her last, like, few months, they got more and more... Vivid. Frequent. To the point where she would, like, call out to him in the, in, in the middle of the night. It's fucking weird. That is pretty weird. That was really creepy. So, like, I yes, I think our pass on loved ones come to us in dreams so could be so this next story is probably the most famous 
of the New England Vampire Panic. I had no idea that there was a Vampire Panic. Oh yeah, it was it was like huge. Um, I mean, it lasted almost a hundred years. Damn. The fact that they exhumed over eighty bodies and mutilated them, and there's tons of stories about these. We just picked two of the best ones. So, Sam, let's get into the story of Mercy Brown. That was a really good story, though. I'd never heard of Mercy Brown or the Tilling Houses. Yeah, so this is almost 100 years after the Tilling Houses, right? Yeah. The story of Mercy Brown is particularly odd and disturbing, mostly because it occurred so late. It was only a little more than a century ago that New England exhumed its last vampire. In the 1880s, the Brown family fell ill one by one with consumption, which the common name for tuberculosis. The first matriarch, Mary Brown, died in 1884, followed by the family's oldest daughter, 20-year-old Mary Olive. Consumption then took his 19-year-old daughter, Mercy Lena Brown, who passed away after a year of sickness on January 19, 1892. The disease had now already taken three members of George Brown's family. Now Edwin Brown was wasting away. What's interesting, though, with Mercy Brown is she had a type of (coughs) tuberculosis called galloping tuberculosis so basically it lays dormant for several years meaning she probably caught it from her mother her older sister years earlier and it she was asymptomatic for a long time but what happens is instead of like a constant battle year after year with it it just lays dormant and then all at once it just hits you so she once she like caught it caught it she was dead within like two months Ouch. So basically, it's like you live perfectly fine, but once it kicks in, it's like rampant. So it's a brutal fucking way to go because basically you're consolidating all of tuberculosis's symptoms into a two month span that just fucking kills you. Sick. So all the coughing up blood and being gaunt and looking looking like a vampire because you're it's literally consuming you it's a bacteria Mm -hmm. and you're basically decomposing while you're still alive nothing about that sounds fun no no for the better part of two years he grew increasingly thin and weak edwin brown As tuberculosis ravaged the once strapping young man in March of 19 or 1892, almost 1982, Edwin struggled to breathe as he continually coughed up blood. He had sought a cure in the rarefied air and mineral waters of Colorado Springs, Colorado, but the 18 month trip offered no healing powers and only left him homesick for a small town in America's tiniest state. Edwin Brown returned home to Exeter, Rhode Island. So the reason a lot of people with tuberculosis moved out west is because it's drier air. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped their cough. Yeah, basically, cold, damp air is really bad for your lungs if you have tuberculosis. 
it actually exacerbates it. Mm-hmm. So moving to a drier, more arid and like climate helps you live a little bit longer. That's why a lot of people like out west, if we ever cover any like old cowboy shit or anything like that, a lot of people in those stories have tuberculosis because they want to extend expand their lifespan basically by moving into an arid climate. Is that why whenever, well, I guess that doesn't really correlate, but whenever I'm congested, if I stick my head in my freezer for a while, well, not a while, but like a few minutes, like I feel better. Are you like doing some Jeffrey Dahmer role no, play or well, something? No, the, the heat. Fuck off, Eric. It probably just freezes the mucus and stuff that's like being congested and then like flowing, making. I think hurt. it like goes like it makes the swelling in my sinuses go down. I don't fucking know, but I, I feel know, better. Well, that that's. And I'll continue to do it. Nifty. I'm fuck. That's pretty nifty. Because like at the the, whenever you open We've the freezer and all the air comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We never introduce you to Nettie. Nettie is our uh, asthma cough relief. Yeah, whenever. Sh- yeah, I have. Oh, she's the best. I love her. Did you try her? Yeah. Oh, I do remember that. Remember that? I don't know. It was back when I thought I had COVID oh, for yeah. the third time, and I didn't. I was just fucking oh, yeah. dying. You did try her, and it did help. It helped a lot. It broke up a lot of shit in my lungs after well, that. Well, I didn't have her when Eric had COVID. My one friend was borrowing her, and I couldn't get up with her to try to get it, and Eric was dying of COVID. It was not pleasant. It was kicking his ass. It's our honeymoon all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> it was that. So... While George Brown's only son grew weaker and weaker in the winter of 1892, George Brown, who was desperate after watching his wife and daughters die, wanted to save his son, Edwin. Doctors were unable to explain the wave of sickness washing over George Brown's family. With medical science failing to help Edwin Brown, distraught Exeter residents turned to superstition and the supernatural in a desperate attempt to save his life. Relatives and friends thought they knew where they could find the cause, six feet under. A group of Exeter residents believed that Edwin's mother or one of his sisters may be undead, caught between heaven and hell and sucking the life out of him from beyond the grave, which meant the cure could rest with their bodies. Yeah, and none of these, like, people are calling these people vampires. That's one thing to like that's important to remember. That was the press that caught wind of these stories. Oh, they were the ones that called yeah, them vampires. They, so these, like, in these small towns, these people were never considered, like, vampires. But it... They were like some form of undead spirit, but it evolved into like the vampire mythos of America. Were they the afflicted? Basically. <laughs> that was like their big word. Afflicted. Uh, well, next year we'll get more into the afflicted Ooh. for spooky season. little spoiler Ooh. for y'all. To that end, George Brown granted the people of Exeter permission to exhume the bodies of his deceased family members. With the extremely reluctant blessing of George Brown, who at first discounted the vampire theory, several villagers accompanied by the town doctor and a reporter from the local newspaper convened at Chestnut Hill Cemetery on March 17, 1892, 
to dig up the corpses of Mary, Mary Olive and Mercy Brown. When they opened the first two coffins, onlookers observed the expected level of decomposition. Mary Eliza was in a state of mummification, and Mary Olive was basically all skeletal remains with a full head of hair. That's a lovely visual mm. that I have. Mm. Just, Just like a skeleton, a skull with hair. A f- like a full head of hair. Well, and your hair doesn't really decompose. It's the same material as your nails. And it was just the keratin an odd, doesn't like, break down like that. Yeah, it takes a long time for that to for the keratin to break down. Yeah, it's just an odd visual I have in my head. It's like still attached to the yes. skull. Yeah, oh, I love it. It's like something out of Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> but the body of Mercy Brown appeared fresh. Her liver, one of the telltale telltale signs of vampirism was in near-perfect condition, void of decay. There was still even blood in her heart. Her body was supposedly in a different position than what she was buried in. Now, one thing to note that the doctor that oversaw this examination was against all of this shit. He only did this to show some type of respect for the bodies. Because he didn't want, like, the the townspeople to go up there and just fucking decimate these corpses. Yeah. And just defile these, these bodies. So he tried to do this in the most respectful way possible. And that, that's one thing to notice. He was not, like, a believer in this shit. He just did it literally for, like, the sake of the bodies. And George uh, Brown did not even attend this. He didn't even go. Would you? No. I don't think that would be cool. No. I was shaking my head. That's what the silence was. Of course, no one stopped to consider that Mercy's corpse had been stored in an above-ground crypt in below freezing temperatures and wasn't buried until the ground thawed. Instead... They declared that Mercy Brown was a vampire who brought the disease upon her family. One thing to note is this is very common practice for a lot of places up north is they actually store a body mm-hmm. uh, until the ground thaws because in the wintertime it does. The ground does freeze. You can't dig. You can't no. dig a hole in frozen dirt. Nope. So they have to store these bodies basically in almost like a refrigeration unit. Uh, now, but back then, like an above ground crypt, which is basically like a shed. So mm-hmm. she was in perfect like conditions because she basically, had been frozen. Yeah, she was basically frozen meat. So by the time that they probably dug her up, she just thawed out. Probably, it's but like, it, that doesn't that doesn't account for her different position, does it? Maybe settling after being frozen in one position and then kind of possibly relaxing a little bit. I don't know. I'm I hadn't just thought thinking about, about that. I'm just thinking about like when you. I, I'm using your meat theory on this. Like when you, when you take chicken out of the freezer and like put it in the fridge, it's in one position. And then once it's in the fridge and it kind of thaws out, it gets a little bit more flat. 
Mm-hmm. They're kind of more a little bit more like level. Yeah, because we don't know the position she was buried. I, in. That's what I'm saying. She was probably True. buried in a you know very like I'm guessing like hands, arms crossed. Yeah, mm-hmm. arms crossed, and it was probably very very stiff. And then once she because it was the only way they could position her. And then once she thawed, it kind of probably slouched yeah. a little bit. Rigor mortis had come and gone by that point. I don't think rigor mortis probably... has anything to do with when you're thawing. Like a fucking popsicle. <laughs> a death popsicle. A vampire sickle. Yeah. Vampire forbidden pop- popsicle. Why does it have to be forbidden? My tongue stuck to it. <laughs> Gross. It wouldn't be an episode if Sam wasn't getting cursed out. No, it literally wouldn't. It wasn't me comparing her to a piece of chicken. It was Eric talking about licking something and getting stuck to it. That's how you get corpse mouth. Yeah, to, oh, that's how corpse mouth what happens. What a fucking callback. Very, very on brand. Considering It is. The people of Exeter were well-versed in vampire lore, so they knew just what to do. Of course they did. Uh, Yeah. I mean, how could this go wrong? Well, they removed and burned Mercy's heart and liver, and the ashes were used to make a medicinal tonic for Edwin. No. Just know. Yes. You already see where this is going. I already know this is going to end terribly. The gruesome remedy did not work, and he died a few months later. I wonder fucking why. Well, actually, so reports say he did get better for like a month. Really? (laughs) Yeah, he got better for like a month. I got better. Yeah, she turned me into a newt, but I got better. Um, (laughs) So, basically... Edwin pulled a Mark Sloan. Yeah, ba- basically, like, he got a little bit better um, when it wasn't the cold winter climate because they dug her up, like, what, March? Mm-hmm. So the weather got a little bit better. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. And uh, then he just, like, took a very sharp turn for the fucking worst. Yeah, isn't, whenever we talked about Waverly, didn't we say that like su- it, like sunshine, is sunshine good. and good vibes. Sunshine and good vibes. But that no. wasn't enough to save old Edwin. I don't no. think that corpse soup <sighs> would make me feel better. No. I mean, that's not what I want in my hot chocolate. No. That's all I'm saying. Oh no. Don't but like I don't know. That. Look at Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. He snorted his dad's ashes, and he's like 150. He's Keith Richards. That's Enough said. He might actually be a vampire. I believe that. I, I feel mean, like a lot of the people from that age are vampires. So, per tradition, it's likely that Mercy was then beheaded and then her head was placed on her chest when her remains were reburied, this time in Exeter's Baptist Church Cemetery. Oh, that they moved her? I get. I well, obviously, they feel like it was better. Why? They, how do you place the head on the chest? Like, do you put the hands like over the, like this way, and then it holds? Oh, the they head? mangled that fucking body. Because remember, 
They cut out all of her fucking organs. So they How probably do you cut just... out something on the, something that's like dead? Isn't it like all like stiff and shit? Like... No, I mean she was basically perfectly preserved. Oh, because she was still frozen. Yeah, thawed. she okay, just like you. thawed out. Oh, could, could think... you imagine that smell? <laughs> no, I mean it's just meat at that point. You know, she died in the winter. Yeah, but it's like people meat. I doubt it had a. It, as somebody who does I mean, not like science experiments that happen in the fridge, I'm with you on that. I, I smells mean, gross me the fuck out. I interned at a funeral home. See the, that? They don't have a fucking smell. Something about... Nothing That's even more smell. suspicious. In, Why unless, do we not have a smell? Well, unless it's a decomp, but... She just fucking thawed out, basically. Okay, so apparently if it's nothing in there to decompose, it has no smell. Like, it... That's suspicious to me. It, I we mean... We don't have a smell when we die? If you fucking die and decom- start decomposing, but I'm sure Mercy Brown died and they buried her within 24 hours. I'm sure. Because embalming wasn't a thing back then. Embalming was not a thing. Oh, okay. Well, let's go back to the part where where they were removing the liver and stuff. You don't feel like that that would have a fucking smell? No, it was in pristine condition. No, uh, the ones that weren't in pristine condition. Oh no, those bodies had the right level of decomposition. Okay, somebody Remember, was vomiting. The mother inside. was the mother was fucking mummified, and the sister was a skeleton except for her hair. See, so, I can deal with that. It's the liquidiness that I think I would be grossed out by. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like that that would gross me the fuck out. Yeah. See, it's, so it's, it's sick right now. It's she's pretty like, fucking gross. Is, she's like, this is so sick. I didn't see you do any of these queasy faces nothing, when we were, even nothing, when we were doing Dahmer. Nothing smells worse than a decomposing corpse. I, I feel like that would be accurate. Except, except a burning corpse. Oh, fuck. I'm sure that fucking smells. Uh, you can't get that smell out of your nose. Is it kind of like a burning hair smell, but just like yeah, times like, like a thousand? Uh, times of that, yeah. Okay. That's the, accurate. Like, like, you know, like when you burn your hair or if like you smell burning hair and it has that smell, I could see that being like a thousand times worse. And it gets stuck in your nose. Like, have you ever been to a bonfire and you can smell bonfire for days and days and days? Yeah. Think that, but with like decomp and burning hair. That's unpleasant. Yeah, it's not great. George Brown reportedly never suffered from tuberculosis and died in 1922. Hey, he did it. He cured the vampire curse. Woo! Go, George. Mercy Brown, the suspect bloodsucker, did not rest peacefully. But that's mostly due to all-hour visits to the Baptist Cemetery by modern ghost hunters and vamp fans. Such was the power of the Exeter vampire slayings that their stories carried across the Atlantic. According to some accounts, when Irish-born writer Bram Stoker, the author of the novel Dracula, died in 1897, witnesses say they found newspaper clippings of the Mercy Brown saga in his files. I believe it. I do too. Mercy Brown's case was highly publicized, which is why it was the last... Um, vampire ritual done in New England. It was it was the final one on record. So th- this made it all over. 
the world. In fact, it, it was to a point to where like New England was known as the vampire capital of the world. I would say that I would like to visit there, but I know you would be like, no. Oh, we're going to go to New England next fall, I believe. One of my besties lives in New England. We're going to uh, Salem. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a trip to Salem if we can uh, afford that. I'm sure you're going to make it happen, Eric. I'm going to. You're going to take out. Pinch pennies. Get ready for ramen for six months. Okay. Going to go see the Hocus Pocus house. Here you can stay there for $38 a night. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. You can stay at the Hocus Pocus house. You can also stay at the Sanderson sisters house. Can I find the book? It is now an Airbnb. That's what I was talking about. I need to find a book. Well, we'll get into that next Halloween. Um, now that we've told you, it just made my whole fucking yeah, a fucking redhead screaming book. Um, I have flashbacks from Friday night watching the new one. But um, yeah. So well, now we've done spoiled next year. So yeah, we're doing witches all next uh, for October next year. And Sam and me can run amok. But this year, guys, we're doing fucking blood-sucking vampires. So I'm get totally ready. A banger. If you're on your uh, period this week, this is the week to be it's on. The it. vampire no, buffet. <laughs> fucking Sam over here is speaking from experience. Um, I am a walking vampire buffet this week. That's okay. You are correct. I hate everyone and everything, and I just want to curl up and go to sleep. Well, you can shortly. Um... But yeah, guys, next week we're actually going across the pond for our next story. Ooh, I'm excited about we're, this one. We're heading to uh, merry old England for our UK listeners. We're going to give you some love next week. Yay! With the Highgate Vampire. Oh, Ooh. such a good story. I'm excited. So I can't wait for that one. That's probably one of my favorite vampire cases. I don't think, I've, I, don't think I know a lot about the Highgate Vampire. Well, you Not will yet, by the time anyway. we're done. And so will you guys next Friday. But until then, stay spooky. And stay creepy. Yeah, you got it. She did it. It took three weeks. Where's my fucking gold star? My golden fang. You're going to get your golden fangs uh, after this. (laughs) Where's my, where is my decomposed heart to burn and make medicinal tonic with? Yeah, there you go. Well, no, you don't get that. Oh, That's how I fuck. keep my hair so red. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, please remember to rate and review the show. It really helps us out. And we will read your reviews at the start of every episode. But yeah, like we said, stay spooky, stay creepy, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.